Hello and a warm welcome to this episode of Third and Goal. Today, as ever, I'm Dan and I'm joined by Fred and Rob. And we will be discussing the biggest game there is, the finale of a season that some thought would be cancelled long before it even kicked off. We'll be discussing two fantastic quarterbacks, one decent O-line, and we'll also look at how a 43-year-old man joined a new team for the first time in 20 years. We'll look at how, with no preseason, he helped take the most losing team in US sports history and turn them into world champions. And we'll discuss, is this the biggest achievement in NFL sports history? Also coming up, we'll have a full review of the Super Bowl. Fred's going to run down our extra point from last week, uh, which was the Super Bowl MVP without the QBs, which didn't quite work out. And I think he has another one for us today. And then coming up, Rob, we'll look at what we have coming ahead for you guys during the off-season and these upcoming weeks while we look to towards the draft and the start of next year. So back to the Super Bowl. Q1 was a bit of a non-event, guys. What did you make of it? Yeah, I mean, I've... Bucks have had quite a few late kickoffs throughout the season. Obviously, this is a Super Bowl was a late kickoff for us, obviously, in the UK. And every time I've watched a Bucks late kickoff, the first quarter has been pretty slow and pretty hard to watch, which was pretty similar to the Super Bowl. Um, obviously, to get the touchdown just before the end of the quarter was, was huge uh, for Tampa, but not a lot happened. I think that your defence, Tampa's defence, was very good. Um, field goal aside... No, neither side really looked threatened. Um, to be honest, it was pretty drought first. <laughs> cool. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty non-event, like you say. I mean, uh, to finish the quarter with the book 7-3 up, I mean, I just felt watching it like I didn't think that was the way that it was going to pan out for the Chiefs for the rest of the game. I sort of expected them to get going at some point, which the Bucks defence just didn't let them do. But I think at that point, I just assumed at the end of that quarter, you know, it just looked like two teams that were off to a slow start. Um, obviously, the Bucks they punted twice on the first two drives, uh, got the touchdown to pretty much end the, the first quarter. Um, and the Chiefs just didn't really get going at all. And they got three points, but you know, say didn't get going at all. They didn't really get going for the rest of the game either, did they? So it was, you know, pretty, like you say, pretty non-eventful, really. Non-eventful. How can you say that? <laughs> Dan, what was your? You, you got to the end of that quarter. Were you running around the room thinking, right, we're taking the lead, touchdown, brilliant. Let's get some momentum uh, going. Or still too nervous. It was like home. Home Super Bowl, ball first. <clears throat> Chiefs, let's grab momentum and run with it. And we had a free and out. And you sort of went, oh no. And then we managed to stop the Chiefs within six plays. I think it was 16 yards. We got that ball back and you kind of thought, okay, well, we haven't hurt ourselves here. Mm-hmm. And then we got four plays and out. One first down and then we were done again. And you're like, we're not going to be able to do this very often. Um... They had a decent start, then run down. We managed to hold them to a field goal, uh, which is always key with the Chiefs if you can if you can stop them scoring touchdowns. Um, it was a 49 yard field goal as well, so you know they was right on the line of where they needed to be. Mm. Um, and then Brady marched 70 yards, got us going. Those nerves went. We sort of settled into the game, and uh, it was Brady's first ever 
touchdown in the first quarter of a Super Bowl. Did you know that? I did actually because they announced that just as a, just as a uh... no, they didn't. I knew that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so that was good. I mean, the the play itself was incredibly simple by design, right? It, it was Gronk running in treacle against the way the line went, and he went in unmatched for no one within 10 yards of him. It was bizarre almost. It seemed kind of surreal that nobody would pick him up following him in that area. The whole yeah, it just was way too easy, didn't it? it just, mm. like but there's kind of four defenders there, and if you watch it, Kronk steps in the end zone, four of them go, oh, no one followed him. They all sort of looked at each other and go, how did he go over there on his own? And like, all oh, four bro. of them just go, oh, no. It just seemed right. weird. Intentional though, because obviously, like we've discussed before, he was a bit hidden. Not hidden, he was, but he wasn't catching the ball or throwing the ball a lot in the previous playoff games. Um, and obviously, you made the point it was sort of more there for protection in the previous playoff games. So, do you think they thought, right, well, he's got obviously so good, he's the best tight end ever to play the game, he's got this ability, let's use him at Super Bowl day, or was it, was it just how it panned out? What was your, your thoughts behind that? I think it was just a play that was there. I mean, it was a design play to him. Mike Evans were lined up on the slot on the left and it was a pick play, right? He was going to run and he was going to block the man following Gronk across the line and hopefully give Gronk a one-on-one to try and power into the end zone. As it is, if you watch it back, Mike Evans doesn't touch anybody. He goes to get the block on. The defender hasn't actually moved to Gronk running across the line. So Mike Evans just moves out of his way and Gronk just wanders around and takes it in. So I think in a, in a Super Bowl, after two stalled drives, your opponents just put three points up that was the the exact perfect thing we needed to happen, right? A simple walk-in touchdown where everything just sort of fell quite nicely. It wasn't a big effort. It wasn't a big squeeze. It wasn't an only just. We sort of went, oh, yeah, we got this. So that was nice. To me, I mean, again, we're only in the second quarter, but this has happened from the second quarter for me. It's of interest to see what you both think, but it never, ever looked like to me, and obviously I can be a lot more chilled out about this because I'm not a Bucks fan, but you never looked like losing the game at any point. Everyone, you sort of sat there waiting for the Chiefs to get going, but there was never any sign of the Chiefs getting going. It wasn't as if you thought it didn't quite work out for them this play, but next play it will. That, even that play didn't happen, if you like. Yeah, from our point of view, I, I didn't relax till about three minutes left at the end, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, I mean, we scored the touchdown. We got them a free and out and a punt. And that was a weird one. We then went turnover and downs, didn't they? They stopped us on the goal line from the one-yard line twice, um, which Where at the time you felt like we needed that desperately. Why didn't they go that for the touchdown? Because Brady did that so much for Pat. I don't know why I didn't go for the sneak. We also, talking to other Bucks fans at the time, don't know why it wasn't Leonard Fournette. I mean, Rojo did okay in the year, but you've got a pound it down the middle back there and a pound it down the middle situation. Give it to Leonard Fournette and let him run through the middle of them. Um, we even brought, for the fourth down, we brought Vita Vea on and played him as a fullback and then didn't get behind him properly. It seemed a little bit surreal. Or even give him the ball and let him charge it in. Um, obviously, we had the play before it where we tried to throw the ball to Joe Hagen, the extra lineman. Um, perhaps could have done a little bit better with the catch. Um, but then he's not a wide receiver, I guess, or a receiver at all. So it's a tough situation to put a, a spare backup lineman into to try and catch a touchdown in the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, I mean, I thought so, that 
that stop on fourth and goal on the goal line, I thought that was going to be a huge moment. Yep. I mean, I can't think you can't blame the books for going for it there. Mm. I mean, in normal situations, what do you need to do against the Chiefs? You need to put more points up than they're going to. So I can't blame them for going for it there. But when they stopped you, I felt like that was had the potential to swing the momentum back in the Chiefs' favour. Um, and obviously, if they'd gone down the field and, and then scored a touchdown, they'd have then taken a three-point lead, but they didn't. Well, they made a mess of the punt as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, twice, didn't they? I mean, yeah, yeah the, the first one... He dropped it and then yeah. murdered it 50-odd yards down the field. And then a, a penalty brought it back, right? Yeah, and then he just literally sliced it and barely... I don't, he didn't even get it out of Chiefs territory, did he? I don't think. No, I think there was a 42-yard difference between the two punts, <laughs> our starting position from them both. That, I mean, I guess that's what happens when you're the Chiefs and you don't punt the ball very often throughout the regular year, right? And then you get your guy in the Super Bowl and expect him to punt it. I mean, come on, man, you've got one job. <laughs> yeah. Catch the ball, kick the ball, all right? <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, but, and then from that, um, I think that that next drive, was that the drive where... Gone got his second touchdown. Where he went for the field goal and they got the uh, neutral zone yes. infraction, gave you the first down and yes. then you went and got a touchdown from it. That's uh, where penalties went a bit silly, right? Yeah, Um well, they had think... an interception in there as well, didn't they? So, how, how are you in that drive? They had an interception. Aaron Matthew caught an interception and that got pulled back for a penalty. Um, and then we had the field goal attempt and that got called back for a penalty and it gave us an automatic first down off it as well. So, so yeah. two penalties. I've seen those penalty situations because, like, for me, I said a few weeks ago, so I was quite pleased they got called because I did mention I think the Chiefs do get away with a lot of that. And throughout the season and even in the playoffs, I think you could see the Chiefs getting away with things that perhaps they shouldn't have. And when they got called for everything, it was a bit, it seemed like overkill. They seemed to get called for every little infraction that they possibly could in the Super Bowl. And for me, I thought it was just everything coming back round to where it should be from that perspective. But a lot of moaning on Twitter and a lot of fans not very happy. I've got two thoughts on that. So the interception I actually felt from it was a hold on Evans. It wasn't a very lot. When you look at our Packers game that we played, there was not a lot of contact on that hold. Mm-hmm. Um, it probably was a hold, but it's also one I think certainly in that Packers game as a comparison, it would have let go. The one on the field goal was lined up offside. Now, there's no excuse for lining up offside, right? It just take a foot back and away you go with it. There's no two ways about that. Um, so that, for me, just seemed a little bit daft with what's on the line, what's at stake. To line up offside just seemed silly, especially knowing it gives us an automatic first down. Well, I think penalties... I, I wouldn't go as far as saying they killed the Chiefs, because I think if they'd not been called on half of the penalties, they'd have still lost the game yes. by you know, a sizable margin. But... You know, you you can't expect to concede as many penalties as, as they had in a game and go on and win it. In that second quarter alone, they had 90 penalty yards. Like, you, you just can't play a game that way, can you? No. No. It, it, 
it hurts, especially with what's on the line and what's at stake at that stage of the, of the season, right? Well, I mean, that, there's nowhere to hide. <clears throat> that um, that penalty there on when you're attempting the field goal, I mean, that's turned around from conceding three points to conceding seven. Mm-hmm. And, you know that you know penalties can quickly pile up, pile up points against you. It does when you've got an exponent as good as Tom Brady that will punish them, right? We said in the Bucks Packers game, it was about how Aaron Rodgers didn't punish the Bucks when he got the ball and when he got the turnovers. We got given a lifeline there, and Brady didn't waste that opportunity. And uh, he found his boy Gronk in the end zone again, <laughs> which also had a penalty on the flag on that play as well, and we declined it. Mm. So that would have been for another penalty there. Um, I think you're right, Rob. I think Kansas come out and said a lot about penalties afterwards, but they don't win that game. Penalties didn't change the game. They're, if it was a three-point game, you can maybe argue that that penalty there changed it, swung it, give it a different points differential. But the penalties wasn't the deciding factor in this game. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Like, I think in total, they had 11 penalties against them for 120 yards. And... Yep. I score, right? Stay on the field and score. Yeah, you, you can't expect to win a game that way. But I agree with you. I think if you know, if if they'd not have had any penalties that game, they still wouldn't have won. No. So they come out after our second touchdown, then 14 3 down. And they put a decent drive together, 61 yards. And couldn't put it in the end zone again. Had to settle for a field goal from 34. And it's not the Chiefs, right? The Chiefs that convert these, they, they they drive on the teams and they punish them from 14 yards. They had a third and six at 14 and couldn't convert. And it just seemed at that stage that I think then we had my homes around a little bit. We'd think we'd had a couple of pressures on him and he'd been getting out of the pocket a bit and you could see between plays, he had a little hobble and a limp here and there, and he didn't look comfortable at that stage, I don't think. I don't think he looked terribly comfortable on his feet all day. I mean, I don't know if I'm looking for it because I know there's turf toe there, and I'm thinking, oh, right, what's he like? And I'm just watching. But he, he doesn't look as free in movement as he does when he's fully fit. Let's put it that way. I don't think he was terribly slow or anything, but it just he just seemed a little bit slower than what he does usually, a little bit less free. But again, it's a difficult one because obviously I don't really know an awful lot about turf toe, but I know he's got an injury there and I'm watching for him to see if I think he's as quick as what I perceive him to be usually. But to me, he did seem a little bit sort of incapacitated when he had to move. Yeah, he wasn't free. He wasn't free running, but... But we punished him again, right? So they scored that field goal and we went straight back down with a touchdown. That's what got me. Every time the Chiefs put points on the board, we spoke before about momentum and how they can score points quick. And John on his preview episode said they can turn around and score 14, 17, 21 points in between you scoring. You don't get a chance to to reply. But every time they put points on the board, we went and scored points ourselves. There wasn't a chance for them to make a stop, get the ball back and double up on points on us. Um, So we went down and as we do, there was another big penalty, 34 yards on Mike Evans for the pass interference, the, the trip. And then there was the funny spat between 
Mm -hmm. Tim and Matthew and uh, Tom Brady. Seemed a bit weird. I think Matthew got called for it. Um, And Brady never, despite Brady chasing him, which perhaps probably should be offsetting penalties at that stage. Uh, It didn't quite go that way. Um, Well, what you did there, Dan, you did what you were describing the Chiefs would do. You're punishing small errors in a small space of time. You know, it was one minute one, they scored their field goal. One minute one to go, sorry. In the second quarter, they scored their field goal. That gave you, you know, within 55 seconds of play, you go get a touchdown. You've done what the Chiefs have often done to other sides and punishing errors in a small space of time. And that, you know, going in 6-14 is a lot different to going in 6-21, isn't it? It's huge. It's huge because, you know, the bill showed that you get up ahead on the Chiefs and all it actually does is annoy them and that's not a good position to be in having them angry at you um, so you, the Chiefs the Bills when they played the Chiefs I think their biggest problem was they didn't get far enough ahead before they upset them and Tampa were there in this day, this stage of the game are just trying to get far enough ahead for me we just need to make every advantage because the Chiefs can't be this bad the second half surely they mm-hmm. can't be do you know what I mean everything for us has clicked so far at this stage um, Brady I don't know about you Fred you've seen him a lot he he had a lot about him in this game in terms of riling up the opposition defenders. Two in particular. They've got two big players, Chris Jones on the line and Tyron Matthew in the secondary. And Brady squared up with both of them at certain stages and it seemed almost like a certain... To, to make them angry, to frustrate them, to get under their skin, to stop them actually thinking properly and playing with emotion, which at that stage of the game... On that stage, you can't play with emotion. You need to play with focus and ability. And Brady seemed to know exactly what he was doing, targeting those two with that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not something I've seen huge amounts from him. But I guess the same time, by the same token, he, you know, he's played in this league for 20 years. He'll you know how to read all these things really well. He'll know what he has to do to win. I don't. I think the history has shown he's not above doing what he feels he has to do, whether it's riling up people, whether it's something completely different, to to give his side an advantage. He wants to win a Super Bowl. I think there's a bit of extra motivation doing it with the Bucks because of the way things ended with the Pats. And so he'd have been looking for these little two or three percenters. He may not have been doing, you know, by the time he's playing his fifth, sixth Super Bowl with the Pats, maybe. I, I, I don't know. But the thing for me and what he does and what he's always done in big games is just how clinical he was. Um, in terms of his stats, and I think it was, you know, tw- um, the wrong stats. Twenty-one from twenty-nine, two hundred and one yards, three touchdowns. Just, just knows how to get the job done in these big games. No fuss, no messing around, no interceptions. Uh, used the uh, the running game well, and something he just knows how to balance an offense. I think in these big, big pressure games. Yeah, but I mean, just having right. that drive in particular. Sorry, Rob. You were. I was just going to. Follow what Fred said. I mean, Brady was much that pained me to say was flawless, really, wasn't he? Throughout the throughout the entire game, I don't think he did. Thinking back to it, I can't think he did anything wrong, really. No, they had one bad snap, but that's not his fault. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that, that came at a weird time as well. Yeah, I know. That wasn't a first snap nerves or last minute drive nerves. That was a peculiar. And we was watching with my wife at the time, and she went, "I don't think I've ever seen Brady run." <laughs> she sprinted back to dive on that ball. She was like, "I've never seen him run." That's where his minus two yards came from. Must be on his on his he's... he's kneel down, Fred. Of course, yeah, yeah. Minus one on the kneel down. So, but what got me on that that, that drive of the Antonio Brown touchdown is he had that spat with Matthew, and you can see him actually say to Matthew, 
I'm coming to you because so many quarterbacks will throw away from him because of how good he is. Mm. And the very next play, he threw to Evans in the end zone, and it was another pass interference which got us to the one. And it probably shouldn't have been. It probably wasn't a catchable ball, to be honest with you. I think it was over his head, and it, it could have got away with it. Um, but he did target Matthew. And then the very next play, the actual touchdown to Antonio Brown, he come back to Matthew again. So he had that spat with him. He told him he was coming for him. And the next two plays, he went straight at him. He didn't shy away or avoid him. Brady targeted him. Yeah, I mean, that that second pass interference in the end zone, that wasn't a flag for me. What from, a catchable pass. No, I mean, from what I saw afterwards as well, from a different camera angle, was it looked to me like Brady was throwing it away. I mean, it was high and it was deep into the end zone. I mean, if it were a little higher, it would have ended up in the stands. So I think he was just throwing it away, that play. And there's no way it was a catchable pass. It wasn't a flag. Um, I mean, it's the same again with two pass interferences on the same drive. You know, whether the second one was or not, whichever way you look at it, the Chiefs have gifted you another seven points, haven't they? And they've just, you know, they've killed, carried on killing themselves with penalties. Yeah, and part of it may have been the that two and Matthew spat that the umpires saw Matthew angry and all that lot, and the ball went at him, and there was a a slight hold, and that's what they focused on rather than where the ball was in relation to the players. Do you know? But hey, I'll take it. I will take it. So we went in twenty-one six up, and I was in dream world at this stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and that brought on the halftime show. And our friend, The weekend. What did you make of that? Weird. Really <laughs> weird. I don't I, know uh, how to describe it. Just like... Weird. Yeah, other than weird. <laughs> it's just, it was just odd. I mean, I didn't, I didn't sort of understand what the relevance of having all the dancers, what looked like having beaks on with bandages wrapped around the head was all about I mean afterwards it's like it looks like they're wearing masks and that's the only thing as opposed to just have dancers wearing face masks I don't know what happened and then you went really robotic for for a moment and (laughs) sorry I said it it seemed like they they were dancers obviously wearing face masks and they tried to blend it in so that it didn't just appear like dancers wearing face masks they tried to make a feature out of it they just look scary, didn't they? But the other thing about like in America is that it seems to be that they think if they can wear a mask, they can do whatever they want. Like I know, you know, if they dan- dancing and stuff, but like there were like tens of them all in close proximity, like basically throwing their arms around each other and stuff. And it's just, but I don't know. They just, it's like why wear a mask and then. Just all on the guy next year. <laughs> exactly. I watched it with a wife, and I said to her, I feel sorry for him because as a performer, to get to do the Super Bowl halftime is an achievement, right? It's something you, you I guess, you dream of to an extent. And he couldn't have that the stage with the people around him and the dancers and high fiving special guests and, and all of that. So I kind of felt for him a little bit that way. And she looked at it a different way and said, Look, he's on the pitch with however many dancers it was spread out. She said, how many performers have actually been able to use the whole field as their stage? And he had the opportunity to do that. Um, but the audio was dreadful. 
on it. And I don't know if that mm. was the telly, the broadcast lines or what, but it really seemed to take away a little bit from what it was. Um, not that I would have been able to sing along because I don't know who he was or who his songs were. So you guys laughed at me See, for that I, just I, now, but... I like, I like the weekend. I know, mate. Bring back Bruce Springsteen every week. So I was reading something the other day which said like the weekend had spent $7 million of his own money, um, which he, he said in an interview prior to that for additions to the halftime shirt and how it was an investment. And it says that most people that play the halftime show or all of them, they're not paid to do it. The NFL basically get them to do it by rewarding them with exposure. You've got a hundred million people watching worldwide um, and the NFL recruits them by basically promising them media exposure. And Jennifer Lopez and Shakira gained 3 million followers on social media and saw their songs downloads increase by 900%. Following Is there really 3 million people that didn't know of them that suddenly realised who they were after the Super Bowl in the world? I find that hard to believe. But what well, you got here is to talk about the media exposure, right? So all the other exposure as well. So I logged on Spotify probably 6am Monday morning when I got up straight away on that little six thing. There's like the weekend Super Bowl show. So obviously it's not a Super Bowl show, but it's the five or six songs he did in full on a playlist for you to you to look at. Now, Dan, if you just sort of looked at the weekend for the first time and thought, yeah, I don't mind that. I'll give that a listen. That opportunity was there straight away for you. I don't know how how they've done it or whether Spotify have just gone Super Bowl's huge, let's chuck the halftime show songs in a little playlist. But yep. there'll be a lot of people watching that thinking, yeah, yeah, I want to go for that today. There'll be well, a lot of people watching it that went, I couldn't really hear those songs. Let me try again. <laughs> yeah, you're right. To be fair. Well, less than 12 hours after the Super Bowl ended, his music already represented eight out of the top 10 trending songs on Spotify. And I think and one exactly of his why they do it for nothing. <laughs> is now gone into the top five most streamed songs of all time since playing them. Which one was that, Blinding Lights? Probably will be, I'd imagine, won't it? Mm. But, I mean, sir, so, I know what you say, like, about feeling bad for him playing there with reduced audiences and stuff, but if that brand experience... He's done all right out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is as powerful as that, then, you know... And it wasn't 100 million people watching it, was it? They reckon the TV audience was quite severely down, which seemed weird because you'd think there'd be more people at home with nothing to do and nowhere to go. Yeah, no thought so. The TV audience was down, but it was down for the, the hockey finals, the Stanley Cup. It was down for the, the baseball and the basketball they'd done. So I'm guessing it's a, a COVID-related thing, but I don't know. Unless they normally when the bars are open, I guess they overestimate the numbers. One pub and they had 200 people in the pub watching it as a guess. Whereas now they've actually got the number of tellies and it's easier to, to forecast perhaps i don't know I guess it's like any big sports game it appeals you might not like people, but if five of your mates are going you and your brother might go along as well do you know what i mean and then that, that swells up whereas if you and your brother are sat at home thinking well i don't like american football why would i watch super bowl you might not in that instance so yeah i sort yeah. of get where, get where that's coming from maybe yeah well anyway we, what we can say from that is it was weird so yeah. <laughs> Should we move on to the third quarter yeah go on then. <laughs> back to the football Chiefs with the ball. Yeah, I mean, at this stage, like the Chiefs get the ball back to start the third quarter and they 
end it with a field goal. Um, but, but I think it was pretty obvious at half time that they didn't need field goals and field goals weren't going to cut it. They need to score touchdowns. Mm. Um, and then what happens the next time Tampa get the ball? I mean, they got a chunk play from Gronk and then Fournette just runs into the clear and scores a touchdown. So you get the ball back to up in the third quarter and you're down by 15. You can only manage a field goal. The Bucks get the ball back and reply with a touchdown and then you've, you're even further behind. That for me was huge. They were going to come out and come at us, right? They had to. Yet we still managed to hold them to a field goal and a 52-yard field goal at that. So they was only just on that verge. They didn't get right to our goal line and knocking on the door. Um, so that was, for me, was a big part of the game, holding them to a field goal. Uh, and as we just said, as soon as they put points on the ball, we got the ball and we didn't go and get a field goal. We went and got a touchdown and punished them again. And sort of said, if you're not going to get touchdowns against us, we're going to rack them up. You've got to stay with us. Um, Super Bowl Lenny. Playoff Lenny becomes Super Bowl Lenny. And yesterday he named himself Lombardi Lenny. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and today he's out on a boat getting drunk, I believe, and uh, enjoying himself in the sun with the rest of the guys. So, <laughs> not a bad Lombardi one. Lenny is here to stay. Yeah, he's just tweeting obscenities at the minute, I think, from what I saw before we came on here. Just... The, the last one I saw was he lost count of Jason Pierre-Paul's fingers. He thought he had a full full repertoire of fingers because <laughs> the sun was getting to him. So, bizarre. Good luck to the guy. I wish I was there enjoying it with him. I think the point where I felt like the game was over then was when Tampa made the interception at 28-9 up and... I just felt at that point as a neutral watching it. I know that, you know, as a Falcons fan, I know myself that um, at 28-9, the game is far from over. But um, as a neutral watching that, I just thought the way that the game had gone, the way that the Bucks had just stopped the Chiefs' offence from doing anything, I just that was the point for me when I thought they're not getting back into this. I think I'd agree with you, Rob. I mean, like I said earlier, like, there was never a point, actually, where I felt the game was close. But in terms of killing it, I think, yeah, you're quite right. That's the point where, it, as a competition, even though it wasn't a competition the whole game, that's the point where you thought this really is over, you know. Um, it's just, it was just a strange... It was strangely one-sided at, throughout the whole the whole day, really. And, yeah, as a competition, it was dead at 28-9 uh, with the inception. It didn't feel like it, I have to say, as a Bucks fan watching it, because you still know the Chiefs could put up 20 points in a blink of an eye. Um, but again, yeah, we got the interception, then we went and put points on the ball. We didn't go and get a free and out or six plays and done. We went, OK, it's only a field goal, but we went and put points on the board. And I think after the field goals, when I started to feel a little bit more at ease. But, the, um, stuff, the stuff I compliment yeah. the Chiefs on in the playoffs against the Browns, <clears throat> Like obviously the defense being huge at crucial moments, and and the offense turns up enough to give them enough of that lead. But these are all things the Bucks did. You know, every time the Bucks defense were asked questions, there was Devin White, or there was somebody else to to force Mahomes out the pocket, and all this sort of stuff, and force him to to throw on one foot and throw when he's sort of falling over, and all this sort of good stuff that the Chiefs are so good at doing in crucial moments. And 
it just seemed like uh, I've seen the Bucks a few times this year, but it just seemed like you you raised your game another level. And uh, it's it's a funny one because actually, without the fact you've had no preseason and all this sort of stuff, that could be a level you could actually go to consistently. It's really I know it's Super Bowl, and I know you possibly raise your level for that, but it's you can't rule out that actually you've got the ability to play to that level a lot more than just that game. And we, we've all said all along, we've talked all season and said that if the Bucks can get everything right, they've got every attribute to beat everybody. They just certain games of defense didn't click or then the secondary didn't click and then the offense didn't quite go and then there wasn't a run game and we'd never quite got everything to click in one game. Um, this game was by far and away the best performance we have put together, bar none, not even close, on every aspect of the game. We, we beat the Chiefs on offense, defense, pressure, special teams, you name it, we put the whole lot as a package together. Um, which was the time you need to step up, right? Which is what the Chiefs do so good. I mean, I felt for Mahomes. The guy was a fighter. He kept running and throwing and running and throwing. Mm. And there's some throws where he's spam round four times and chucks it in the air and yeah. he hits the guy in the face. There's the one that I'm sure everyone's seen by now where he's lying horizontal two foot off the floor. He throws it 30 yards into the end zone and hits his receiver square in the middle of the face mask. Yeah, I mean, how he did those. I mean, it's just... Just incredible, isn't it? But you look at the how the, they don't catch those as well. That's, yeah, I mean, yeah, there true. were some dropped catches. I mean, mm. even earlier in the game, there were a couple of dropped catches mm. that you know where there's not a defender anywhere near them, and you know the the dropping or letting catchable throws straight through the hands, and you know I think all this just culminated into you know just what was such a poor day for them offensively, but. I mean, you look at the Bucks defensive line and, you know, what you said last week, Dan, was that, you know, your front four needed to be the ones to get the pressure. And they did. Mahomes was under pressure 29 times during that game. It mm-hmm. was just every single snap, it just looked like either the pocket collapsed or they just got straight through the offensive lineman and they're chasing him 10, 20 yards backwards yeah yep. he just never looked like he had any time to do anything really Mahomes ran 497 yards pre-throw or pre-sack during the game that's a lot of wasted running around when you got a bad foot on a bad toe that's been having surgery on him yeah right he wasn't running forwards he didn't run for that many that's him running around for no purpose whatsoever but to, to get away from us um, and I mean I spoke to James by only rushing four during the game meant we could drop linebackers off. The Chiefs probably should have made a better attempt at running the ball. I know we're not going to give up the run, and I know they don't need to run the ball because it's not who they are. But I think I think it was the third quarter that, that, that the field goal they had, they did put a couple of runs in there. It was the last started running. And it just made our linebackers step up a little bit rather than dropping the coverage automatically. And it seemed like if they'd have done that a little bit earlier... There was again. We've spoke many times. You don't run the ball for running the ball's sake. You run the ball because it makes everything else a little bit easier in the game. And the Chiefs never do it because they're so good at everything else in the game that they don't need to run the ball to get that good. But this game they did because it didn't start out their way. So I think they should have turned to that run game earlier and a bit more often, not because they was going to run up on us 200 yards, but because it would have meant the linebackers had to step up to block the run 
which would have left the space behind them a bit more. We wouldn't have been able to have that extra coverage and the extra man back there because somebody would have had to commit to the run on the game. And they they never done it, um, thankfully. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm happy for that. <laughs> they stuck to what their game plan was for too long when it wasn't working. And I don't think at any point during the game did they make any real attempt to make any big adjustments to account for the Bucks' defense. And I think you know they just they just stuck at it and stuck at it even when it was obvious that it wasn't working. It was never going to work. I think no. from a Chiefs point of view, actually, coming up against the Bucks, no matter where you rate them in terms of how good you think they are or they aren't, there's actually quite a nasty side to come up against the Super Bowl. So say they came up against um, someone like the Packers, who so you know exactly what they are. It's a side that's been pretty consistent, built over a fair period of time. You know what you're coming up against. There's not, you, there's not much else or not, best way to describe it. There's n- you know where they're going to go with the game plan. With the Bucks, because they've been inconsistent and been brilliant at times and rubbish at others, like Dan said, when it all comes to, when it all comes together, it is all very, very good. And it's all very unexpected. Because I, I don't know about you, Dan, but how many games would you sort of look at the Bucks this season and say, that's all come together as a... We had the Packers home game. Yeah. We had a game just after that was the Panthers, which was nothing game, but it's a slip up we'd normally have had and actually I think we performed one of the best in that game mm-hmm. um, I think one of the Falcons games we had to just see it over the line I think there was a chance of him coming back to us and keeping it tight and we had to step up and go over the line other than that until the playoffs at least during the regular season not many other than that three really. so you've got three games there and then you look at the Chiefs versus the Bills and the Bills have been brilliant for definitely the last half of the season, both sides of the ball, very good side. They know what they're good at. You know what they're good at as a Chiefs side. You think, right, we can plan for that. But I just think with the Bucks, there's always that slight unpredictability factor and the fact it did all come good really uh, really unstuck. I mean, like you said, Rob, they don't have a lot of flexibility in the game plan, but they probably wouldn't have expected to need that flexibility in the game plan because we're the Chiefs, we're so good. We can overcome anything, but they couldn't in this instance. We'd learn a lot from the game in week 12. We, on the losing, took more out of that game than the Chiefs learned from that game. And that showed, that was clearly evident. They thought, we did this before and we beat them, we'll turn up again and we'll do the same and we'll beat them. And the Bucks looked at it and said, we can't let this happen again. What do we need to do differently to make this outcome different at the end of it? And Todd Bowles on the defense and Byron Leftwich on the offense and Bruce Arians overseeing it all, they come up with a plan that stopped Hill and it stopped Kelsey apart from a few garbage time yards at the end. And it, it meant they didn't run the ball. And we got to my home with pressure. And when we got the ball, we, we capitalized and we scored points and we put points on the board um, as we did all playoffs. So we took a, a lot more and learned a lot more from that week 12 defeat than the Chiefs did by without doubt. And that showed. But we put... 30-plus points up in all four playoff games. We went on the road to Washington, to the Saints, to the Packers, and we put 30-plus points up on all of them. And all the talk coming into this game was, could the Bucks score enough to beat the Chiefs or just keep in touch with the Chiefs? Could they get wiped out by 10, 15 points? Can they keep up with them? Um, we can. Regular season, we scored more points than them. We, say we put 30 points up in all playoff games. That was the Bucks fans game. knew we could do it. That was the pre-game talk that really surprised me because you think you've got Tom Brady in the playoffs, you know, and you have got, you know, good receivers. You've got a good, you know, you've got 
playoff Lenny and all you can run as well. You got all this sort of stuff and to to argue against just even just the Brady factor and say, oh, like, can they put enough points up? Just seems a ridiculous notion. But I imagine that's quite excitable for those who don't want to see Tom Brady perhaps win another Super Bowl and and anything you can sort of get at in the media um, pre-game. But that that did really surprise me all those questions because you did see a lot of it. But for me, it was never in doubt that you'd be able to score enough points. It's just it was more the even yeah more the defence for me. Well, only oh, one I... of us, I think, predicted the Bucks to score over 30 <laughs> points last week. Just to recap, <laughs> not sure which one of it. Well, yes, it was. It was me. Sorry. Um, I think I was the only one as well that actually had the Bucks winning. As I did against the Packers, as I did against the Saints. I don't know whether it's blind faith or whether I'm an idiot. But I got lucky <laughs> on every occasion, I guess. So. <laughs> And then, obviously, after the Super Bowl, we had... Should we talk about Ammo's little prop bets? What did he mention? He mentioned the National Anthem. Mm-hmm. Definitely under. Country singer. Was under before. Sure enough, it was miles over. Sorry, Ammo, but... <laughs> <laughs> it went on for a long time, and we uh, come a cropper on that one. And then it was the uh, Gatorade shower, right, guys? Mm-hmm. Um, who got that one right? Let me think. Oh, well, yeah. Right. Me again. <laughs> the weekend just kept getting better and better at this stage for me. You know, I didn't think I could enjoy my night any more than I could. And then Blue Gatorade come out of the bucket, and that was it. <laughs> I was off and away. And it was just a shame you guys weren't awake to mention it to at the time. But um, no, hey, I wasn't a <laughs> avid follower of the Bucks the last time they won the Super Bowl. I, I certainly didn't watch it at the time. Um, I followed them shortly after that and have been through some dire times. Um, this was enjoyable. It really was. Um, and I think most Bucks fans thought this was a free ride and we're built for next year. So we've got the seventh most cap space in the league. We've got the youngest defense of the cheapest defense. Evans has already offered to restructure. Brady's already offered to restructure. Fournette wants to stay. Brown wants to stay. Shaq Barrett says he wants to stay. This could be a really, really good side next year if they get it all together. The other thing I saw, Dan, <laughs> game, and a lot of this, which I think you've just spelled with what you said, to be fair, but like, if Brady wins the Super Bowl, then that's it. He'll pack it in, or he might consider retiring. But from what you're saying, if he's off the restructure, that's not on his um, mind. It was a two-year deal. He's got a year left. And I think he wants another two-year deal and a restructure. So that's going to be perhaps in the works. Mm. Um, oh, one other thing I need to mention. <clears throat> Rob's moral victory for the Falcons only giving up 20 points against the Chiefs and winning because they wasn't losing by that much. Looks pretty bad now, doesn't it, Rob? I'm going to take another moral victory. I think <laughs> the reason you won... You showed us a blueprint of how to get to them. looked at that Falcons game and thought... <clears throat> Falcons have shown us how to do it here. And you've just done it with, you know, all right, your defense is better than ours. I'm going to give you that one. So I think you took our game plan and you implemented it. Executed it. With better players and, and, you know, kept them to nine. So I think you've got the Falcons to thank for that, Dan. Fine. I just know that this has now given us more Super Bowl wins than the rest of the NSU South combined. So... 
your little birdies on zero and the, the big cats are on zero and the Saints rest their soul, committed everything to a 10-year run and have destroyed New Orleans and themselves in the process and they got one. So well done them. That was fun. And now they're, they're nobody now for the next 15 years while they try and recover, I guess. So it's going to be interesting to see. But well, uh, the team with the big tie pirate ship managed to win. Yeah. And did you hear how many times they stopped us firing the cannons when we scored during the game? Did you hear how many times we fired the cannon when we won? 31 times, one for every point we got in the game, just to rub it in. And I've been there, and that cannon is pretty damn loud, to be honest with you. I wouldn't have wanted to be around it when it went off 31 times, that's for sure. Just feels like a waste of electricity or, you know, killing the planet for no reason. Personally, I don't know. Call me, you know. Fred, they're Americans. It's what they do. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, any American listeners that we might have here. Don't take it personally. But uh, extra point, Fred, we spoke about, didn't we, last week? We did. Do you want to run us through that? Have you got yes. uh, a recap and a new one for us? <laughs> I feel yes. like recapping on this because we were, you know... Go for it, Fred. You all, can go all, for it. All wrong, theory. <laughs> but, um, yeah, last week it was Dan's turn to ask uh, the question. Um, so his question was, quarterbacks have won Super Bowl MVP 30 out of the last 54 times and seven out of the last 10. If the MVP is not a QB, who will it be? So our four options. Rob went for Travis Kelsey. I went for Tariq Hill. Ammo went for Evans. And Dan went for White. Rob won our poll. Congratulations, Rob, with 52% of the vote. And uh, Kelsey, uh, as it was, irrelevant because Tom Brady won. Uh, Can I just say, though, he shouldn't have done, should he? There's a clear winner of the MVP in that game, and he was on our list. Yeah. I mean, my we, boy, Devin White. Devin White, he got eight solo tackles and four assisted, and literally every time that. And the interception that ended the game as well. And every time that the Chiefs were stopped. It was like Devin White was there. Mm. He just seems and he's to be 22. Up. It's his second year. It's scary what an athlete that kid could be, right? Oh, yeah. So, I'm going to take a moral victory. I'm going to take a Falcons moral victory on that one. Let's say <laughs> it, right? We've lost, but I, I should have won, so I'm going to call it. <laughs> do you have another one for us, Fred? Or? I do, yeah. So, I mean, Dan, you're going to have an answer. Rob's going to love this question. Oh, Tom Brady has just won his seventh Super Bowl, <coughs> which was his best performance in all of them. Dan, I'll go to you first. So which one did he play best in? Mm-hmm. Um, my gut tells me this one, but I don't think he did. Um, he did exactly what you'd expect a decent QB to do in this one. I think, don't get me wrong, if we didn't have Tom Brady there, we'd have had a above-average QB. I think we'd have still won that game. It wasn't Tom Brady that won us that Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say the time he beat the Falcons. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'll just have to say. Has Rob got his head in his hands? Rob, he's Rob sure you there, Rob? Of Rob. the other game, or... Uh... <laughs> Have you got well, thanks for listening, everyone. That wraps up this week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> Come like on, tell us a better Brady stuff. performance then. Come on. <clears throat> um, I am going to go 
for this one, just because I think, you know, oh, I can't even say what I was going to say. So, yeah, I mean, 21 completions on 29 attempts, 201 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, a QB rating of 132.2. He was his best ever in the Super Bowl. Basically flawless throughout the so game. So it was officially his best Super Bowl performance. I mean, this was a game where, you know, we've spoken about it before. If he threw three interceptions like he did against Green Bay, could they afford to do that? I actually think that when you look back at the tape, yeah, they could have done, he could have thrown five or six interceptions and the Chiefs still wouldn't have won that game. But he made sure that he wasn't going to give them that opportunity and he looked after the ball and, you know, he did what he needed to do and that, you know, had to be part of their game plan for them to look after the ball when they had it on offence and put points up and that's what they did. Cool. Well, I'm going to go Patriots Seahawks in 2014. Brady threw for 328 yards, four touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, put up the points to win the game pretty much single-handedly in that one. So, uh, so that's my one. But if it if I'd have gone first, I'd have gone Patriots Falcons, mostly just to move myself. It's not whether or not you played better or not. That game needed a man to stand up and. Believe yeah. and lead that time to glory, team to glory, right? And that's what he done. Um, did you know what he's done? Just to go back a little bit, the last two weeks since we beat Green Bay, coming right up to the game before the Super Bowl, do you know what he'd done with all the Tampa team? No. He messaged them all every night. We will win. Simple as that. And that just says it all for me. We took him on to change the mentality of our organization from a organization that could win. We could beat the Chiefs. It'd be nice if we did beat the Chiefs. We've got a chance to the actual belief when you walk on that field that we will win because he said it every day and every day and every day until they started to believe it themselves. We will win. With that as well, it's the gravitas of who it is as well. <laughs> anyone can say that believe it or not. Do you know what I mean? Tom Brady may or may not believe that in his heart not six holds prime. But, you know, that 5% or 10% confidence could have been the thing that, that set the performance right, isn't it? You know? Bruce Arians has said this week that he's had quarterbacks and he'll sit to the quarterback and he'll go, when you catch the ball and you're off and running, pump your arms more. You need to pump your arms more to get going and so on. And they go, yeah, coach, yeah, coach, yeah. And then Brady wanders over and he goes, wait, when you catch the ball, pump your arms and get running. They go, yes, Tom, yes, Tom. And he said, they go and do it. And Bruce Herring is like, I've been telling them that for eight weeks and they haven't listened to me. <laughs> and it's just the, the air of what Tom Brady's been there. He's done it. He's won it. And he's led others to get better. Um, when he talks, you listen. You're in this free so. scenario as well. And it's, it's a real one-off in, in most professional sports, if any. You know, in that they've grown up watching him do this as well. It's not a case of, you know, you're a 20 year old watching him do it, and in a few years' time, you might play with him. A lot of these guys may have been eight, eight or nine, and he might have been the first thing that got him into American football. And all of a sudden, you're playing with this guy, there's going to be that bit of you that's just like, I'm going to do what he says, I don't care. You know, you go back to being a kid in that scenario. He won his first one, was it 19 years ago? And Devin White's 22 years old. Two, yeah. So, they, they were literally barely born, which is scary. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? So, anything to add, Rob? No. Do you want to join this Brady loving? 
No. <laughs> Your favourite thing about Tom Brady, Rob? Nothing. Do you believe, let me ask you a question then, you didn't necessarily need him, but Brady was on the market in free agency in the summer. Could have gone anywhere he wanted to. You had a wide receiver core that could have gone and got him and been attractive to him. Do you think he'd have made a difference to your organisation this year? What, the Falcons? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the first thing is is that we've got a quarterback and an expensive long-term deal that... Yeah, uh, forget all that. Forget all that. You can yeah. trade him away and someone picks it all up and takes it all. Do you think putting Tom Brady this summer as a free agent into the Falcons would have made you contenders from where he was? No, because we've not got an effective offensive line. We've not got an effective Fair. running game. Um, you know, I'm, I believe that, you know, Matt Ryan has still got it in him. Um, and I think that he is a quarterback that could, you know, could take the Falcons to the playoffs and the Super Bowl if the rest of the supporting cast around him was effective. And I think if you put Brady in there instead of Ryan, I think the fact that we've got a useless offensive line and a lack of running game means that, no, I don't think it would have been effective for us. So just to go back, our right tackle was a rookie this year. Donovan Smith, our left tackle, is probably the most moaned about player on the Bucks roster. And we started the Super Bowl with Shinny, who was starting only his second NFL game. And nobody got near Brady. Yeah, but when you look at like how often Matt Ryan gets sacked, and I think Fred... <laughs> how is it, eight or nine in one game? Shared, yeah, <laughs> he shared a graphic with us that said... What was it, Fred? That Matt Ryan is the second most sacked quarterback sacked after Russell Wilson in the last yes. five years. I saw that. Russell Wilson's on track for about eight hundred and something if he carries <laughs> which which I think becomes the biggest record by more than three hundred more than the next quarterback, which is scary. Then, uh, I was watching Good Morning Football this morning. They were taking the mic out to Sean Watson, moaning about being sacked. He says, "Look at look at Watson, look at Ryan, then come back to us." You know. <laughs> But flipping that question back to you then, Dan, right? So, Rob, obviously, you're giving your thoughts. When Brady arrived, what was your first... Obviously, you're probably glad to get him, don't get me wrong, but what were your first thoughts and sort of, right, he's going to take our team to this? So, I can't imagine you sat there and thought, yeah, we're going to win the Super Bowl now, perfect. No, we thought we... But this season... He brought the mentality. He brought that we can win, as he said. We will win mentality. Not we can, we will win, right? Mm -hmm. But what else Tom Brady brought with him is people like... LeSean McCoy, Leonard Fournette. LeSean McCoy's played a bit part all year, but I think in the locker room he's a huge character. Leonard Fournette got cut from the team that finished 1-16 and and had the first draft pick. He's gone on and won the Super Bowl. He could have signed anywhere he wanted, but there's just something about having Tom Brady on that side that everybody else went, yeah, okay. And I just said, when he mentioned to the wide receivers, do this better, do that better, they, they do it. The coaches have been telling them for weeks but they do it when Tom tells them to. Do you know, he just brings that presence with him, which he's the greatest quarterback, the most decorated quarterback of all time. Ability-wise today, he's a competent quarterback, I think would be the best way of describing it. I don't think he's up there in terms of his actual ability. Look at some of the throws Mahomes made. Brady can't make those throws. No, no shadow of a doubt now. He's still very capable. And what he's, got he's above average. He's competent. In his head. Yeah. Rises him to a level that he's probably not at physically, to be honest. Correct. With 
Yeah. So we all thought that actually next year is our year. We've got a young defense. It had problems last year. Secondary is not great. A couple of rookies in offensive line was never great. So we all thought that actually if he can get us trained and honed and we can work out the creeks this year and come back next year, add in a few more bits in the draft and a free agency, then we'd be okay. So this was a free shot for us. Winning record this year or even playoffs this year initially? Or was it, and then build for next year? Or what was your, if you had to put a number Every on it? Every fan hoped, I think, for the playoffs. It's been so long since we've been there. Mm. I think we hoped that he could get us that wild card spot. We also knew the Saints were very good. The Panthers are going to be dreadful and everyone knew the Falcons weren't going to be wonderful this year because their defense stinks. Um, but we knew we had a shot at that wild card. So I think if we'd have got the wild card game and it had panned out differently, we didn't have Washington and we'd have gone to the Rams or the Cards or something and, and we'd have lost. I don't think a Bucks fan would have moaned about that. For what it's worth, I think he'd have at least given the Pats a winning record this year. I looked at him last year, he had 12-4 with that offence. I think he had an amazing season, actually, in context, because it was a dreadful, it was pretty poor offence, pretty similar to what we had this year. The Pats uh, beyond saving now, Fred, sorry. No, I think it's going to be right. I think defensively, we're fine. You think we've got Hightower coming back, we've got Chung coming back, and then we just need a half-decent offence to be competitive. You look at 12-4 and four season last year, we kept teams down really low on points. We win games 10-6 or 17-14. We didn't put up a lot of high-scoring games. So we only, we can do that again with the players we've got to come back defensively. We've got an OK defence without them. We just need a half-competent quarterback and two people we can catch. But they're flying off the shelf, right? Stafford's gone. Watson's still about, but I don't think you'll pay the price for Watson. This is what concerns me. Yeah, like... Wentz is going to the Bears. Is he definitely going to the Bears, is he? Yeah, in my eyes. But yeah, he's going somewhere. Bears it's, or Colts, I reckon. There was a lot of confusion around the Goff trade, but then you think they got... Stafford and got the deal was done early to avoid all this circus. There's a lot of QB hungry teams as we've highlighted earlier. Um, and we're one of them. I liked it from the Rams. They got an upgrade and they got rid of a contract. They didn't mess about. They negotiate very aggressively and they saw that getting rid of the contract gives them money and getting Stafford is better than Goff. Why are we even debating or thinking about it or letting someone else get there before us? Let's just go and get it done. Whatever it costs, let's do it. And that's what they did. Fair play to them. Weirdly, I think it's one that works for both sides as well. I don't I think Goff's okay. You know, you got I think he's learned things while he's played postseason as well. Um he's young. The Lions aren't anywhere near the ability of the Rams, but 25, 26 Goff, time to build that, you know, time to build something. The problem the Lions have is they've now got Goff not Stafford and Goff's not as good as Stafford. Mm. They've got Kenny Goddard, who I think is a free agent, but even if he isn't, he doesn't want to be there. He's shown that this year by being injured in inverted commas every week since about week three. Um, and I can't for the life of me, the second thing of the other receiver who is out of contract as a free agent. So playing devil's advocate then, Stafford is in his 30s. He's played three playoff games, lost all three, any. So what makes you think, or what makes people think, come postseason, he's the man to, to lead them. To... You won't have the Lions team with him. <laughs> Matt Stafford hasn't lost them games. He's had a Lions team that have lost them games. That's been the problem. Um, yeah, I, think I genuinely I think with that, I think you know Stafford is, you know, he's he's a better quarterback than Goff, and you know he could elevate the Rams now and just push them on that little bit. That you know, you look at their roster, their wide receivers, um, their running backs. 
the defence and Stafford could be that be able to give them that little bit more that Goff couldn't just to push them and elevate them towards that Super Bowl. And, and Marvin Jones is a receiver I was trying to think of at, at Lions and there's already talk that on a free agency he may go to the Rams and join him. So that would give him that familiar face around him as well that he knows that he can find that reliable, trusty hand. So, which always helps for a quarterback in that situation. I'd, yeah, I think unless the Seahawks in that division sort out the defence, they're going to be there or thereabouts, but they're going to lose games when they should win because the defence is poor. The Cardinals don't quite know what to make of them. The Niners need a better quarterback and to stay healthy and they could be good. But I think that trade makes the Rams sat here today probably the favourites for that division. I think it gives them enough. I wouldn't want to go there and play them. It is a tough division though, that one, isn't it? When you look at the teams in there and where they're all where they're all at, it is a tough division to be in. That's a really interesting point about the Cardinals as well, because it's probably a reasonably big year for Carl Murray as well. His year, third year, is it next year? Yep. And so, you know, he's this much fancy talent. He's shown glimpses of what he can do. He's been very good at times. But how is he going to, you know, take take that team to the next level, particularly in that division? It's a it's a tough one for him, I think. You look at it and you think with the new structure, and we're only one team by and seven teams in the playoffs there could be an opportunity where all four teams make the playoffs. The problem, then you'd sit here and go, them four teams have all got a chance of making it. I don't think any of us would be surprised if either any one of them four teams got in the playoffs. Mm. The problem they've got is they've got to play each other twice, which ultimately hinders them because they're coming up against some good sides in those games. So yeah. they're six, six of their 16 games on the line already. So... Um, Kyler Murray's okay. I like Kyler Murray. He's got a grower foot and he could be good. If Washington were chucked in that league, you know, they'd have lost the other six, you know, the six games they played against anyone else in that division, wouldn't they, hypothetically? And they made the playoffs from the um from the East Division, didn't they? So it's sort of it is a horrible division to be in. The 49ers would be interesting as well, because you think even if they keep Jimmy G, I don't think it's a disaster. You've just got to keep him fit. You know. Yeah, but are they gonna win a Super Bowl with Jimmy G? No, because the Pats were. No. So why are they keeping him? Get rid of him. Mm. What's the point? Right? There's quarterbacks out there on the market. No one wants to just make the playoffs. That's not what they're in this game for. And I think the Bucks have put that on the line this year and shown that. But nobody just wants to make the playoffs. You want to win a quarterback. You want to win the Super Bowl. Can Jimmy G win you the Super Bowl if you're Niners? No, they can't. So do something about it. Go and find someone that can. That's my opinion. Who is 49ers quarterback for you then, Dan, next year? I think I said it in one of our extra points right at the start of us guys doing this that the Sean Watson should end up there. Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, most of running games good enough to do what we say and be a distraction. And Deshaun Watson, decent defence with Bosa in there. You know, that's a horrible team. We just spoke about the Rams team and all their options and strength and depth that Niners team becomes very good looking as well then Rob what are you well I mean Watson's going to be the most sought after quarterback on the market now right although Russell Wilson might come to market yet right have you seen that and is oh, this when what? because he's been complaining about it's how much he gets sacked yeah <laughs> Yeah, well, they they haven't confirmed whether he's uh, 
staying or available. So, well, I mean, from a Seahawks point of view, you can't see why they'd want to move on from him, can you? I mean, Russell Wilson's nope. a, an amazing quarterback. So, um, but if they're going to trade him, now's the time because he's not worth anything later down the line, right? So, do no. you take that value now? Yeah, but on the flip side, you know, would they want to trade him to a divisional rival? No. No. So, you know, it could just be, you know, I think the quarterback carousel is going to keep on spinning and, you know, they could all be moving around, you know. I mean, it seems like Rogers might stay now at Green Bay. I know that seems to have all gone quiet now and, the Rams inquired, didn't they? They did what? The Rams inquired. The first phone call they made for a quarterback was to Green Bay. And the the word is that the phone was put down very abruptly at the other end and wasn't even <laughs> wasn't even taken seriously. So they went and got Matt Stafford instead. So But they went and asked, I guess. That's the Rams. They negotiate aggressively, as we say. So well, just be interesting to see how it all plays out and then obviously Anyone that's still needing a QB when it comes to the uh, the draft, see how people trade around there as well. There's a lot available in this draft as well. A lot of potentially good ones. So um, I'm ready now. Though. I'm ready for trades now. Are you guys like the Super Bowl's done? I think it's, it's been really a couple exciting. of days. Let's get on with it. We're no news for a couple of days. <laughs> it's a really exciting postseason, actually, particularly in the position we're in, because you think for about last 18 years past pre this one Pats have had a really boring postseason but this is uh it's really sort of make or break for us in terms of if we're going to be competitive one more time on the check maybe so um so yeah and I'm excited Rob needs 64,000 pieces to make the Falcons competitive <laughs> so he's excited to see which ones they get first and I'm over the moon we're picking 32nd so <laughs> I'm excited about us this year and being optimistic I think you can have a wild card spot mate you're not going to win that division we've got new general manager got a new head coach and the more that I hear from him and see see of them and watch their interviews and, and things like that the more that I like them as a team and I think the coaching staff that we're putting together looks strong and we've got the number four pick overall you know i'm seeing a lot of mock giraffes having us take a quarterback which i don't like um i'd rather us trade back and cash in on more picks the one thing that does concern me is the lack of cap space we've got so it'll be interesting to see how we navigate through free agency um but i know um a new general manager you know he's been good at unearthing gems and mid-range free agents so you know if we can get a couple in to plug a few gaps and draft well then you know i can't see any reason why we can't be competitive next year yeah i'm saying we can have a wild card spot mate i won't be grudging Ooh, that. the division not <laughs> but this is quite nice right looking back at what each team's done and what they've got to do to improve and what next year looks like and we've got a bit of that coming up rob i think haven't we yeah, so we've been, obviously we've been doing this podcast now for four or five weeks and one thing we spoke about at length is how are we going to fill the gap in the off-season and what content we can bring. So what we've been doing it's is... It's really for Super Bowl if we want. 
No, we've had enough of the Super Bowl talks, done not <laughs> So what we've been doing is we've been reaching out to fans of all 32 teams and we are going to release three episodes a week where we're going to talk to fans of their team individually. So starting from next week, we're going to have um, an episode dedicated to the Jags, the Jets, and the Texans, they're going to be approximately 30 minutes long. And every week we're going to release another three episodes concentrating on specific teams. And like I say, we'll have a guest um, from of a supporter of those teams on with us to, to talk through and talk about how this, you know, saw the season that's just gone, gives a review of the season, um, what they saw that was good, what was what went wrong. Where they can improve, and maybe a you know a quick little snapshot of what they think for for next year. So that's going to fill a bit of time. I think we've sort of forecast that to run until the draft time, probably end of March, early April, and then we'll be able to get stuck into uh, into the draft talk and and take it from there, and hopefully bring you plenty of content for the off season. Well, this is it. Football's going down and our output is going up, which is hopefully a good thing. Um, what I will say, if you are listening and you want to get involved, do drop us a message and let us know. And some guys we've already got lined up to come on to represent their teams. But if you know the opportunity is there and you want to be involved, we'd love to have you on. And if we can make that happen, we will. So just drop us a DM uh, on Twitter or, or let us know if you know us guys. So it would be good. To have you involved. Anything else you guys want to add today, or are we done? We're all good. Yeah, we're done. Technically, another yeah. one. Pats, wasn't it? So, what a, a weekend. I just, if I can, borrow another couple of minutes, I just think we should obviously acknowledge a passing of a guy who does this that I'm sure the three of us probably listen to um, Chris Wessling uh, around the NFL podcast. I'd never met the guy, I never spoke to the guy, but from all accounts, he seemed like a, a very nice person, had a lot of time for a lot of people, um, especially British fans of the NFL. It seemed like it was quite a big thing over here. His news of his passing hit a lot of people quite hard. Um, I enjoyed the output they had, and I know it wasn't just him on the, the, the around across the NFL, it was a lot of them, but the way they're all different and the way they all came together just seemed to, to work quite well and I think it's because of people like him and what he gave to us as fans puts us fans in a position to do things like this for others as well so um, I think he'll be missed by a lot of people that knew him I totally agree I think you look at you can tell how much respect the other guys on that podcast had for him which is equally important actually to, to the fans as well because how keen they were to get him on even when he was clearly ill and he had to leave halfway through an episode as he, as he often did this season um, that's how valuable his input was and how much respect they had for him as well it was just yeah he never caved to the media line that's what I liked to, about what I kind of got from him he had his beliefs and he stuck strong with them and um, I think that's where he got a lot of respect for it's just an incredibly sad story isn't it so, you know but it, it happens to families all the time, doesn't it? Losing loved ones to, well, all sorts of things. But, you know, cancer is one of those which, you know, affects way too many 
families and people. And it's just so sad, you know, the age of 46 that has passed away and left behind his wife and young child. And like I say, I mean, the outpouring of messages, especially from his colleagues and other people that knew him from the media, just shows how much everybody thought of him. And, and like I say, I've, you know, we've never met him, we've never spoke to him, but you can't help but think that the amount of messages and emotional messages that have received just echo what, what a great guy he was. There was um, there was a just given page set up for him, I think, when he relapsed, and they were aiming to, I think, raise $5,000. And at last look, it hasn't been closed, obviously, and that's raised $75,000, and that was a few days ago. So I imagine we're well, all past that figure now, but just, again, just backs up everything everyone said. That was water. Oh, well, that's it, and I know it's not a nice note to end this on, um, but I just didn't want to finish this without at least giving him a, a little tribute and send-off, so... Um, thanks and best wishes to him, I guess, and our thoughts with everyone that knew him. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Are we done, guys? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Super. So, Jags, Jets, and Texans next week. Can we ask the Texans fan where Deshaun Watson's going to be playing next year? Just yeah, to see what he has to be, say. You know, Can we do that? Is that, is that a good one? That team, right? Yeah, right. So, and if he says Texans, we can disagree with him. Because <laughs> he's wrong, obviously. So, I uh, I look forward to that discussion and, and you guys will have that with you next week. So, thanks, Fred. Thanks, Rob. I'm enjoying my Super Bowl win. That's this season over with and it counts for nothing. Now we start again, right? Absolutely. Super. On to 2021. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Miles. Cheers. Yeah, done.